Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Well, just one playoff game left in the Super Wild Card Weekend. That's your Tampa Bay Buccaneers hosting the Dallas Cowboys. That game, of course, Monday night football at Raymond James Stadium. And, Steve, boy, it was a bunch of wild games we'll get into over the weekend uh, in the wild card, especially in the AFC, where there's some young gun quarterbacks that are going to be around for a long time. How about Jacksonville's comeback over the Chargers? we got all of that to talk about. But we'll start with the Bucks and the fact that uh, we know who they're going to play if they win this game. And for that matter, Dallas will play them as well. The winner of this game gets a expense-paid trip to the West Coast in California uh, back to play the San Francisco 49ers, who I, I think, Steve, probably had the most convincing win of the weekend over the Seahawks. They won 41-23 in a game that uh, was close for about a half, but... Um, that's that's what you get. So not the easiest road to a Super Bowl necessarily. Um, that's because uh, courtesy of the Minnesota Vikings losing to the New York Giants in their game. So that sends the Giants to Philadelphia to play their division rivals, uh, the number one seed in the NFC. And, of course, uh, the winner of the Bucks in Dallas then will go to San Francisco. So And if Tampa Bay were to win, it's a short week, Monday to yeah. Sunday, to the mm-hmm. West Coast. Yeah. From the East Coast. Dallas is at least middle of the country. Yeah. Although they've got to return home after the Monday night game, so it, that's that's a short a week for closer, them, too. But, yeah. But yeah. Mm-hmm. So it, it'll be a challenge, but you got to get through this game first tonight. Yeah, first things first. Yeah, they would, they would love the opportunity to try to do that and, and you know, atone for what was, you know, what the, probably the biggest lopsided loss they had of the season, uh, 35 to 7. I think it was 35 to nothing at halftime or 31 to nothing at halftime, whatever it was. Um, and they didn't come close to beating the, the uh, 49ers out there earlier this year. So, yeah, a trip out west, but that that looms after this game, which, you know, we, we've talked to a lot of people. Uh, unfortunately, Ed Werder could not be with us tonight. I apologize for that. We just couldn't get our schedules matched up. Um, but he is in town to cover the Cowboys. The Cowboys, I really believe they're here as well. You still got uh, some hours to go before uh, that game is at Raymond James Stadium, the last of the wild card, Super Wild Card weekend games. But maybe the one that's um, got the you know some of the marquee stars. Obviously, anytime you know it's it's America's team against Captain America, as my friend Herm Edwards would say, and a lot of intrigue because the Cowboys have not been playing great football. Dak Prescott has been pressing; he's been throwing a lot of interceptions, some eleven interceptions, I think, in the last four games. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of reason to believe this Buccaneer team is getting healthier. Certainly, uh, uh, all the guys that sat out in the final game uh, at Atlanta when they rested everyone, they all seem to be pretty much a go. There are still a couple players that are doubtful, and one of those is the starting left guard in Nick Leverett, which is not good. He's got a shoulder and a knee injury. You've also got Robert Hainsey, uh, who is coming off of the hamstring strain that knocked him out of the game at Atlanta, their center. 
And we're still awaiting word, and we'll get it today as you listen to this podcast by 4 p.m. on the status of one Ryan Jensen. They're, of course, Pro Bowl center that got hurt the second day of training camp with the significant knee injury that we know absolutely nothing about. There's more information on the Kennedy assassination and the Warren report than there is about this knee injury, I assure you. So um, he has been out there now for two weeks, and uh, like I said, 4 o'clock today is the deadline uh, to activate him to the 53. I will say this by the time you hear this, a uh, good chance uh, that, that that's already those wheels are in motion. I think he gets activated at minimum simply because what's he been doing out there, if not to put himself in position, at least if not to play. Uh, but if he can't play this week, his window ends next Wednesday, so you're probably going probably gonna to activate him for next week's game no matter what. So to take that 53rd spot um, in this wild card game probably makes sense. You're not, you know, it's going to be an offensive lineman that you were hoping not to use anyway. I have not got had a chance to watch Ryan practice. I've seen him bend out there. I've seen him do some things. There cannot be contact this time of year. You know, all those padded practices have been used per the CBA. And so we don't get a chance to ever see him take a snap with a Tom Brady or line up with the starting offensive line or, or any offensive line. We just see drills uh, for the first 30 minutes. And then we're escorted, you know, sort of back to our, to our media room. And we really don't know when you ask Todd Bowles about Ryan Jensen, he's constantly saying, you know, he's in the early stages, the status is quo, all those sort of, uh, you know, ways to evade, uh, going into any detail about either his injury or his progress or his prognosis. And I think there's value to that from the standpoint of why tell anybody, right? Until you have to, uh, why not make Dallas um, prepare, if, if that's a word. They're going to prepare for the offense, but you don't need to alert them that you're going to have your starting center if, in fact, he's going to be back at all. And I've gone all over the board with this, to be honest with you. I, I've been to the in the camp that this can't really happen. How does a guy who has at least an injury that's so significant he can't play one single game during the regular season, right? Not one. Doesn't have surgery we know nothing about it. You can assume that there's some ligament damage in there somewhere that after six months, maybe that has healed some, has a knee brace on him, um, appears to be bending okay, but without any contact, no training camp. He, the last time he played or had even contact was in you know last year's Rams game, which has been almost a year ago, like January 23rd. And that's how long it has been since Ryan Jensen has played football. Um, outside of the the one or two days in shorts it was a non-contact drill in which he got hurt when Logan uh, Paul fell into him but to think you could go out there and just do some stuff and sort of walk through practices and be prepared not just for a few plays you're not going to rotate this isn't beat a vea you're going to be asked to play 65 75 snaps I, I think it's a big chance to take but you know what if he's able to do it, if he's able to get out there, isn't this what he's been waiting to do? Isn't this why he didn't go on IR, why you kept him on the 53? And, it, oh, by the way, and we talked about this when they made that decision to keep him on the 53, well, what if you got an injury and it was in the playoffs? And what if he could step in and take – and that's exactly what has happened. Now, like I said, the only guys that are doubtful, Hainsey's questionable. He's not doubtful. Um, Nick Leverett is doubtful, however. So you have a problem at left guard – what do you do with that? Um, could Hainsey move to left guard if Ryan Jensen's going to start at center? All these things 
you know, will probably be, be settled here pretty shortly. Um, but I've, I've swung all over the place with this, and, and I'm starting to really lean harder in the fact that, one, he will be active because, like I said, uh, whether you do it this way, there may not be another uh, another week, right? You have to win this game to even get to next Wednesday. Um, this season could be over by Tuesday. So why not have him activated? If you have him activated, can he go? I mean, that's, that's you know, guys want to know, can you go? That's what football is, right? Can you What can you give me? Can you give me 85% of Ryan Jensen, 75% of Ryan Jensen? Last year we saw uh, Levante David, who was, you know, unable to play the last three weeks of the season with a Liz Frank injury. He played in the postseason, both games, and he said, I was probably about 65%. Now, I think it cost them in the Rams game. Uh, his 65% wasn't good enough, especially on the plays that beat him down the stretch. Um, but he was out there, and he was he was able to do his job at least, or so they thought. So from that standpoint, guys that can play, play, right? Uh, we, we need you, big guy. Can you get out there? And and nobody has more confidence in Ryan Jensen than Tom Brady. I mean, that's the guy that's affected the most. So from an emotional standpoint, um, a comfortability standpoint, how they see the game, how they communicate, all those things, it would be a huge emotional lift if he can get out there and be Ryan Jensen, Steve. And I don't know that anybody knows that, including Ryan Jensen, until he tries it. It would be a huge emotional lift. But my question is, if he plays tonight, does mm-hmm. the NFL have cap circumvention? Like Nikita Kucherov. Miss the whole regular season, come back for game one of the playoffs. Are we going to talk about $18 million over the cap or whatever Ryan Jensen's <laughs> yeah, right. salary it is? is a little, it is a little Kucherov-esque <laughs> when you think about it, right? Hey, Kuch went on to win the uh, Stanley Cup that year, so, you know. That's right. So I expect Ryan Jensen to go win the Super Bowl after not playing the regular season. Well, yeah, then him and Cooch should get together and drink out of the Stanley <laughs> Cup or something because I'm telling you, it is very similar in that in that aspect. Um, he counts against the cap. It's just a little oh, different than hockey. But, you know, I know that. I was just yeah, but but it is it is interesting that you can hold a guy back for the entire regular season. And of course, part of the you know the beauty of everybody's going to harp on their eight and nine record, and they're not very good, right? Part of the beauty of it was they were able to not have to play anybody that final week, right? They didn't have to win mm-hmm. the game at Atlanta, which it could have come down to. And so not just Ryan Jensen, but other players got were able to rest and not play. Um, and they're outside of the center position and, or the guard position, the interior line. They're, they're about as healthy as they've been. I mean, everybody is pretty much available, and I think everybody will play. Uh, and some of those guys have been have been healing up for a couple weeks now. And even the Monday night game, to have an extra day, uh, to have the, that time all the way to 8.15, believe it or not, matters, right? Everything matters. So um, they're going to be about as fresh as they can be at all the other positions. And if you get a Ryan Jensen back, that might make a hell of a lot of difference. I mean, just in terms of how things operate up front, what he sees, um, you know, uh, and, and obviously his his attitude, right? I and mean, this is the thing when Ryan plays – it's sort of to the echo of the whistle. You know, you missed as much as anything, you missed the life that he brought in the snarl. You know, not not just his not just his play, but his snarl that you needed. Uh, when you run the football, and they've, that's where they've struggled the most, it's it's really about will as much as anything. You're coming off the line of scrimmage. You're trying to move guys backwards, and and that's something that Jensen has done so well is you know create that movement and. Uh, they simply just haven't had it this year. If he's able to do that, you know, then then of course, why wouldn't you want him to? Why wouldn't you want him out there doing it? 
And we'll see. Uh, it'll be it'll be a hell of an introduction, man. <laughs> if he runs out there and he's snapping the ball, you'll know pretty early because uh, after Brady and those guys come out and throw to you know trainers and different guys, and then a couple receivers will trot out. The first ones you see even before the receivers uh, are the are the centers. You know they'll they'll come out and take some practice snaps and things. So pretty early on in warmups, if you're at Raymond James Stadium, you, if you see Big Red number sixty six, man. Uh, if he's taking the first snaps with Tom Brady, you know that not only is he active or on the roster, but he might be playing. So something to look forward to today. And I, like I said, just just from what we were told, which is almost nothing, you know, they were playing a little rope-a-dope if he plays because they've been, oh, it's the beginning stages. Oh, the status is quo. We really don't, you know, all of that stuff. And And the whole time they probably had a much better idea about where he really was, if if in fact he plays, and we'll just see. Um, as far as the game goes itself, um, look a couple of things. One, I don't think you can look back at Week One, eighteen weeks ago, and say, "Well, the Bucks beat them right uh, in a game where the defense was great, and they only had the one you know red zone touchdown with that circus catch by Mike Evans." But it was a convincing win, right? It was nineteen to three, and yet. Micah Parsons was all over Tom Brady. He had a couple of sacks. They had trouble blocking him. Um, they weren't very good on offense, especially in the red zone. They moved the ball all night. They were really good on defense, and they really got after Dak Prescott. But they shut down the run, and mostly Zeke Elliott. You didn't see a lot of Tony Pollard, and that's the biggest change, I think, to Dallas's offense is that Pollard is so much more explosive and a Pro Bowl player this year. Um, and they're playing him a heck of a lot, lot more. But Dak was bad, and and Dak has played some really bad football of late. Not seeing the field, um, lots of interceptions and turnovers. Some of those going off the hands of receivers or whatnot. Um, but just in general, he's not. He's he's feeling a lot of pressure. I think as as the Cowboys do anyway. And if they can get stop the run, like that's going to be the key. And and the other key is that I think they can do that. Because I think having Vita Vea and, and Akeem Hicks together, they're a top five rush defense. And they were when they started the season last year. You know, against Dallas, they shut down Zeke Elliott. If they can do that with Pollard as well and force Dak into some predictable passing situations, the blitzes they brought against Dak Prescott really, really bothered him. Uh, he, he got to where he was looking at the rush, and he was not good. And so, you know, having your corners back, Carlton Davis being able to lock up CeeDee Lamb and some other guys for just a couple seconds, um, having your secondary in, in, Antoine Winfield Jr. down in the slot where you can blitz him, you can do some stuff off the edges, um, I think it's going to be really to the advantage of the Bucks. But, but man, and you know this, Steve, how, how, how many times do you see two teams play and then later in the season they play again? And it's a totally different game. I mean, you just don't know, you don't know what to expect. I mean, Dallas could come out here, and they could be on fire offensively, and just you know, the Bucks could be the Bucks and fall behind seventeen to nothing. But against a better team, they may not come back. You know, that could be it. Yeah, it's been interesting that all these playoff matchups have been rematches this year, mm-hmm. and we've seen how close the first five playoff games were in Super Wildcard Weekend. I mean, yeah, Niners won by a couple scores, but it was close at the half. That sure. was a divisional game. Uh, but yet you're seeing how, you know, when you've scouted the team, there's a familiarity. There's a mm-hmm. – um, now, Dallas and Tampa Bay played 18 weeks ago, which is like a lifetime. 
It is. So, uh, and, and, you know, Tony Pollard wasn't part of this. And, mm-hmm. you know, but on the Buck side, I mean, a lot of the young guys, and we've talked about, you know, from the tight end position, I mean, you know, KDOT and Cole Keefe are, are much better than they were back then. Yeah, that was their first game. Yeah, Rashad yeah. White wasn't playing much. You, you know, wasn't I mean, starting for yeah. sure. I mean, you go through all that. Chris Godwin was, we didn't, you didn't know what you were going to get out of him, and he got hurt that game. He hamstring. got hurt. He hurt his hamstring. Mm-hmm. Julio Jones went down after a big, long catch with a knee injury. He didn't finish the game. Mm-hmm. So, you know, both teams have changed a lot and are very different when it's that far back in the season. But yeah. I, I think there's some things you can take from that. Um, you know, I think home field is important in this game. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, and I know, you know. We saw years, that in the playoffs. Yeah, except absolutely. Except for Minnesota. Yeah, I mean, yeah, so far all the, the, the home teams have won, except right. for Minnesota. Right. Um so, you know, I, I think the home field is – I think it's important for this Bucks team, which maybe isn't as – I don't want to say dominant as in the past, but I, I think it's going to help them this, this week. Um, yeah, I do too. I think on Monday night it's going to be a lit crowd. Yeah. Um, although there'll be, there'll be some Cowboy fans there too. but <laughs> Yeah, they'll be lit okay. Uh, yeah, well, um, that's what I meant by that. Well, I, I know. A lot of tailgating going on. It's also Martin Luther King Day. Mm-hmm. Let's remember the, our slain, slain uh, civil rights leader yeah. celebrate him. But in addition, a lot of people aren't working, so mm-hmm. they can uh, they can imbibe early. It'll be a super wild card weekend. Super wild card, <laughs> yeah. Now, can you say super wild card weekend like you can't say Super Bowl? They bought that, so like I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. I don't know if they've got that trademarked, but mm-hmm. apparently they own the word super, which is weird. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I agree with you. I mean, all of that and. Um, and I want I want to talk too about um, Tom Brady here in just a second in my conversation that I had with a couple people uh, about Brady, including Clyde Christensen, the Bucks quarterbacks coach. Um, and you can read a story uh, today in the Tampa Bay Times and on TampaBay.com. We'll get to that here in just a second and all the playoff games real quickly. But first, I want to remind you guys of a way to save money on your electric bill and do it now. It's called May Electric Solar. They're a family-owned business. They've been operating and installing solar electric systems for 12 years. In in a field where there's all these fly-by-night companies, May Electric Solar is committed to you for the long term. Here's what they do. They guarantee their workmanship with a 30-year labor and services warranty. Something goes wrong, three decades, man, they're taking care of it. Plus, with every installation, you get $750 worth of surge protection for all your appliances that is what they call the May difference. If you visit their Hutchins showroom, May Electric displays all their products. They conduct on-site testing. You can see what they're going to install. Plus, they don't use subcontractors, so you know those guys up on the roof, those are Billy May's guys. They're doing the job. Start saving today and call the solar energy experts at May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. You can schedule a free estimate. Lower your electric bill all year long. Preserve the quality of your life, that of your appliances as well. It's May Electric Solar Seven two seven eight one nine two eight six two. All right. Before we talk about the games uh, this past weekend, just wanted to um, mention a, a story I did on on Tom Brady. Like you know, I, I thought maybe we'd write about Brady. I don't know. We'd never do. So this was a good time to do it. And we all have kind of had to live this season with him, right? And in the off field and the on field, we all know a little bit, but not everything. Okay. And I thought it was interesting because I've, I've heard this analogy and, and Clyde used it when I talked to him. I, I felt like this has been, and and not just because of the off the field, but this has been a season where they put on even more on a 45-year-old quarterback 
to have to carry this offense, to have to carry the team in some instances. I mean, was he? He's got four, right? Comeback wins in the fourth quarter or overtime, uh, or we're not even having a conversation. We're talking about next season. We're talking about whether Brady's coming back and all of that. Uh, and and so without a running game, right, that averaged less than eighty yards a game, and there's rarely been teams that even make the postseason with that those few yards rushing. So uneven. Um, Pelly went out there again, and after having 719 pass attempts, which led the NFL, he eclipsed that mark by a bunch this year. And so he led uh, the league again in pass attempts. He led the league and reset the NFL record for for completions and all of that, right? And so just from a year standpoint, you go, well, you know, he threw for another, what, 4,500 yards almost, and um, – took care of the ball for the most part. And he had he had by all measures a pretty good year, but not a not a Brady year. You know, it wasn't it was eight wins. It wasn't ten or twelve or thirteen wins like we're used to. And he struggled. And you know, Tom has always compared sort of the the regular season to a marathon. I've heard him talk about that very often. And and you know Clyde kind of without prompting kind of used that analogy a little bit. And he goes, but but watching Brady from his vantage point, and he's in every meeting, every um, you know passing drill, like he's out there with the guy all the time for the last three years. And he also coached Peyton Manning, and he says, you know, it's it's like running a marathon, but then you start and you put on a weight belt, right? And you add a couple a couple weights to the belt, and then you know the next thing you know, you're you know it's not just running twenty six miles; you're about halfway through, uh, and you've got you know, all the the personal stuff. And, and at the 15-mile mark, somebody says, hey, carry this, you know. Um, and that's sort of, you know, off-the-field stuff he's had to carry from the beginning uh, with the divorce, with, with the weight loss, with, you know, all those stuffs. And, and just how he's, you know, it, it's been heavy lifting. And then, you know, what he's had to do for this offense and what he's had to do to win games it's been an incredible grind. And from, from Clyde's standpoint, um, you know, he thinks that this is one of the better, you know, quarterbacking jobs of his career. I mean, here's a guy that's the constant winner. Um, you know, we know about the seven Super Bowls, 19 division championships, all that stuff. But when has he had to be asked to do this much, right? When has he asked, been asked uh, to carry a team with no running game. You know, in, in, in New England, he sometimes he didn't have many receivers. Sometimes he didn't have marquee guys until Randy Moss showed up. You know, he, he would make guys around him better, right, um, than, than we knew sometimes. But, you know, here in Tampa, he's got some pieces, right, but he didn't have the running game. He didn't have necessarily the defense, which has played well, um, but but not gotten the turnovers, not not done a lot of that stuff to make it easy on him. And, and they've struggled. They struggled in every area: the red zone, short yardage, third down, first down. You name it. Um, the numbers are are not great. And yet, somehow, despite all that weight of the personal problems and everything else, he drove he dragged this team across the finish line into the postseason. And they are right where they were a year ago, hosting a wild card game with a chance to move on um, and be in a divisional championship a week from now, which would be now in San Francisco, and then maybe make it back you know, to the NFC title game. And there's a chance now that they could even host that. If the Giants were to go to beat Philadelphia, we're looking way ahead, 
the Bucks win on on tonight on Monday night, and then go out to San Francisco and upset the 49ers, <clears throat> they could be hosting the NFC Championship game at Raymond James. It's it's unbelievable, but it's it's also that achievable uh, in its own right uh, in terms of you know how close they are right now uh, if they can just take care of Dallas. So a remarkable, remarkable season. And the other thing he said, which I thought was interesting, is that even today, like at this point in in the season, he said to me, he goes, you can't convince him we're not going to win the Super Bowl. With all that has gone on, with all the limitations that they have on the offensive line, the run game, um, you know, his, you know, being 45 with his shoulder, the finger, all that. He says, you can't convince him we're not going to win the Super Bowl. If you said we're not going to win the Super Bowl, he would look at you like you're crazy and say, what are you talking about? Like, that's the kind of sort of confidence that he brings to this time of year, right? When everybody else is sped up, everybody else feels pressure, it's it's winner go home, that's when he's at his absolute best. And the belief he has in himself, which is what the other players have in him because of that, is far exceeds anything else. And that's why he's so dangerous, and that's why if you're the Dallas Cowboys, you really didn't want to have to come to Tampa Bay and play these guys. And And if Dallas wins... God bless them. They're very talented. They'll earn it because Brady's not going to give it to him. And he's going to fight you for everything. And he has all year. And I I think in many ways, Steve, this is one of the greatest greater triumphs. I know he came in here, won a Super Bowl, and it was COVID, and they were seven and five, and we had the boat parade, and he tossed the Lombardi, all that. That was unbelievable, right? That was that was storybook. And they wrote books about this. But what he's done this year in some ways. Might might be even more incredible for all that he's been through. If he wins a playoff game or two, yes. Mm-hmm. If they go out and lay an egg, lay an egg, don't do well tonight, then maybe not. But yeah, I agree. I agree. That's that's fair because he's always been about the postseason. Mm-hmm. You know. You know. Now you know they go out and, and play a tremendous game and lose last second like they did to the Rams last year. Yeah, maybe you maybe you could qualify that, but yeah, I mean, he brought them back from you know mm-hmm. twenty four to three and and got them in position to win that game. Yep. But uh, I yep. mean, what looking at this roster and and you've talked about this? What there's twenty some players left from the Super Bowl That's roster? Twenty four, yeah. Uh, we know that you know the offensive line changes, and we've discussed this a ton. May change may change tonight. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, maybe for the better, though. I mean, assuming sure, sure. Ryan Jensen can be an upgrade based on you know whatever percentage you're getting from him that's um, right but no Gronkowski and, right. and not only what he does in the passing game but the run game and no AB I don't think mm-hmm. that gets talked about and I know mm-hmm. AB kind of went you know crazy with the shirt off and all that stuff but there, there's two guys that he enjoyed throwing to the most probably in his career outside of Randy Moss and one was Antonio Brown the other one obviously is Gronk take those two guys away from him that's tough man mm-hmm. that's really tough yeah I mean uh, I mean well, we've talked about with Tompkins now, but that speed has been missing all year. Exactly. I mean, Antonio exactly. Brown took the top off the defense. Oh, as a third receiver, yeah, as it, a third receiver, and opened so, it, you know, opened it up for everybody. Mike, opened it up for Chris, opened it Absolutely. up for the other guys. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, Gronk. Just, I mean, go back to that Super Bowl. You had Evans, Godwin, AB, and Gronk. And who caught the touchdowns? Gronk had two, mm-hmm. AB with one. Yeah. <laughs> But, I mean, who are you going to guard? 
Right. Well, you can't. In the red zone, they're unstoppable because you usually get man coverage down mm-hmm. there. Uh, it's too close to play zone, mm-hmm. and you got it. You can't double three guys like that. Yeah. Now, and, and now it's Mike and Chris. That's pretty much it. Pretty much it. I mean, that's where you need Julio Tonight, Jones Julio or Jones. Russell Gage or Kate right. Otten or you know Leonard Fournette out of the backfield to step up. And, and I'm going to tell you this right now, and I, f- I firmly believe this because it happened in the Dallas game down there, and and to me. And Julio Jones is going to play tonight. And to me, that's what they've been missing is the third receiver. It's unfortunate for him. You know, he had all these hamstring injuries and things at Tennessee. He didn't get to play much, didn't practice much. He got hurt. He hurt his knee making the big, the long catch against Dallas. And he has battled this PCL injury his whole season, right? The last couple of weeks, he's been practicing, okay? Even though he didn't play at Atlanta, um, practice all week this week. I think if the Bucks win this game, we'll be talking on Tuesday about a play or two that Julio Jones made that was the difference in the game. I really do. I think having – and Russell Gage has done some nice things of late. He's a little nicked up now too, um, sort of as their third receiver. And, and he's, a, he's, a, he's a quality receiver, right? He's okay when he's healthy. Um, they finally got him on the practice field, and so him and Tom have a little bit more chemistry. And, and that's been a problem for Julio not practicing. But Julio has practiced now. And if if they win the game, I think that third receiver spot that they've had tough time filling um, might be. You're, we're going to be talking about a player too that Julio Jones made. I just believe that. So, work the tape, as they say. Uh, I could be wrong as rain, but I don't think so. Um, but yeah, it's 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 look. It's this. These are and home playoff games are precious. There's not been that many throughout the history of this franchise. Therefore, the fans. I think the fans get to enjoy this the most. Uh, their team is at home. Their team is playing. They get the flags in the stands. Every seat will have one of those, you know, Buccaneer flags, red or white flags going. Um, it will be lit. No one likes the Cowboys unless you're a Cowboys fan. Um, and so there'll be a few of those in the house as well, I'm sure. But the atmosphere is different, just like it's different for the players, you know, the speed of the game in the postseason. It, it's different when every play matters. And you kind of saw that this weekend, man. There were some really cool uh, atmospheres. Uh, you know, it was so loud, you know, at Levi Stadium with the 49ers. And I guess we can get into the weekend game, Steve. I mean, outside, I, the Seahawks played a nice half. They're just not deep enough. And let me tell you, Brock Purdy, I there's something about this kid. Um, he's cocky as he can be, and why not? He, he hasn't lost a game. He's won his first six games now as a starter. Mr. Irrelevant, last pick in the draft, all of that from Iowa State. But there's something about it that says to me, yeah, but. Like, what will Brock Purdy do if he finds himself trailing by two scores in a fourth quarter? Is he good enough to do that? Because all I saw with the 49ers was Brock Purdy throw the ball 10 yards, and I saw, you know, their receivers run 65. And that's kind of the way it's been for him. You know, Seattle's defense, I don't know what that scheme was, but, you know, if you're going to run deep crossing routes with Debo Samuel and try to cover a man, man to man, you're going to lose every one of those races because that guy can fly. And so Christian McCaffrey was really, really good. That's been the trade of the year, by the way. They were three and four when Mm -hmm. they made that deal for Christian McCaffrey. And he has completely, uh, they had a lot of weapons. He's completely changed their team. Um, And he's, he's just had a great year. So, worry about them down the road, but but Brock Purdy doing unprecedented things um, for a rookie quarterback, you know, over 300 yards again, 
three touchdowns. I mean, it's just, you know, it's, it's crazy. And they, they take the probably the weakest team that was in the field, I think, the, the Seattle Seahawks. And so they lose, and they lose, in the end, pretty big, 41-23. But how about the game of the weekend? Well, there were several the of them, loss? so take your pick. Which one? Well, the one I, they were all good, but the one I really – I mean, really, the, the Los Angeles Chargers come into Jacksonville, and they're up 27 to nothing, man. 27 to nothing? Okay, this game is – I literally turned – I turned on the lightning game. I enjoyed the rest of the lightning game. I really did. I watched the whole thing almost. I flipped back, and it's like, okay, at the end of the half, Jaguars scored a touchdown. Oh, that's cute. You know, now it's – now it's twenty-seven to. All right, seven. they won't get okay. shut out. That's good, you know. Right, that's at least at least they got that right because they come out. Trevor Lawrence four interceptions in the first half. Woof, like you couldn't have played. Like it, it, if you had any confidence left after that, I don't know where you would find it, right? Because there was just nothing going right for them. And you're you're down in your home stadium of all things, you know, twenty-seven to nothing, twenty-seven seven at halftime, or shortly thereafter, and it's like mathematically. This game should be over. And yet, they let the Jaguars come back and beat them 31-30. to And I don't know. They haven't announced the coaching change yet as we do this, this podcast. But how do you keep your job after that? Uh, that's a tough one. And, and, you know, it's not like the Chargers aren't a good team. No. Justin Herbert was great. Mm-hmm. Just, I mean, twenty-seven to nothing. And, and and you know, had Jacksonville not got that touchdown before the half, I think everything's different. Maybe, but even then, but, you're up. You're up three yeah, touchdowns. You're up you know. three touchdowns, and I believe the Chargers got the ball first. They did. They had it coming out of the second yeah. half. Just, you know, Rex Ryan was on um, the Countdown Show, mm-hmm. and <laughs> he was great. Um, and, and Rex kind of puts it out there, you know, he's, you know, curmudgeon uh, head coach for all those years with, you know, obviously the Jets and the Bills, and, and I, I think he would coach again today if somebody would ask him, but he's kind of an acquired taste. Anyway, um, he was saying, you know, Brandon Staley, who's the Chargers coach, he says, you know, I, analytics and all that are great you know he's the guy that goes for it mm-hmm. on fourth down all the time he says but um you know sometimes you just need to have a good football coach and he goes like for example he says uh when you're up 27 to nothing you know you might want to run the ball more than you throw it mm-hmm. unless they've changed the rules because i think the clock used to stop after an incompletion, do they still do they just run the clock now, or do they stop it? No, no. They running threw clock. more passes in the second half than they had running plays. How is that even possible? Right? Because mathematically, if you if you do nothing but take thirty seconds, thirty five seconds, thirty seconds off the clock, make a couple first downs. You can let Herbert throw it on third down if you need to, but just by playing a little bit of of conservative ball there. You know, trying trying to maximize every possession, getting a couple first downs. I don't think that I don't really know that Jacksonville would have had enough time or possessions to come back in that game. And it was incredible. It's like they were playing that game as if it was zero zero in the second half. And you have you a know? good running back too in Austin Eckler. It's not yeah. like it's not like you don't have a good running game. No, he's fantastic. 
And, and if you get him around the goal line, he's got a real nose for it. He scores a lot. But you could have absolutely grinded that out and just minimized the possessions that, that the Jaguars had. And I don't even think they have enough possessions to get back in that game. But that was the damnedest game I've seen in a while. And, and you talk about a long flight home that must have been. Can you imagine being on that plane after losing that oh, game? All the way across oh, the country. Goodness. That one's going to sting. That one's going to leave a mark. And and like I said, Brandon Staley, Sean Payton's out there. A lot of people are like, congratulations to Sean Payton um, for becoming the Chargers head coach. But and, and I would imagine he's got a house in L.A. I'd imagine who wouldn't want to coach, you know, Justin Herbert. I mean, the guy's fantastic. But Speaking of Sean I, Payton. Yeah. How about they gave permission for him to talk to the Panthers? Have no idea how that would happen. Have no idea why they would even allow that or entertain that. That that's stunning to me, and that brings up the, a very fair question, which is this. And those of you, and I wrote a couple of days ago that uh, sorry, Todd Bowles is coming back. Now there could always be a last minute change of heart. Maybe that includes Sean Payton. I don't know. If listen, if the Saints are going to trade Sean Payton to an NFC South team. That blew me away. Well, now, and now permission to talk and actually is totally different, right? Coming to terms right. on what it would take—that's correct—to allow him doesn't, you know, doesn't mean it doesn't make it's it in the deal. realm of right. reality. That's correct. And 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 to be fair, they're you know they're very indebted to Sean for what he did for all those years in in New Orleans. If he said, "Look, let me go talk to these folks." Now, if you if you put all the teams that are looking for head coaches that he's talking to. And you laid them all out on a table. I don't think you're picking Carolina right away. Um, they don't have a quarterback, right? They're a young guy that maybe you believe in, maybe you don't. Um, they do have some draft picks. Uh, a pretty new ownership group. I think he'll spend money. I don't think that's a problem necessarily. Good defense. We know that. Steve Wilkes did a pretty good job with that team. You can definitely run the football with this football team, which Sean actually likes to do. So there's some pieces there, and you know the NFC South better than anybody. You've coached in it longer than anybody. Mm-hmm. So I mean, Charlotte's a nice place to live. Like I can make I could make a legit argument to where yeah, that's not a bad situation to be in. But who's your quarterback? And your team probably won too many games to draft one in the first round this year. That's any good. So what's your plan there? You know, is Tom Brady going to go join you in Carolina? Um, maybe I don't think so. But, yeah, I was stunned by that. I, w- I was surprised. But, again, like you said, allowing a guy permission to talk to a team and then actually going to the compensation route. And, look, the last one of the last coaches that were traded that I can remember was John Gruden. And, and that compensation was two ones, two twos, and $8 million. Why would you settle for much less than that? You know, For and division rivals, you, probably more than that. Right, and that's that's the whole thing. You can charge more because you're saying, well, wait a minute. You know, we're in the same division, so you're going to have to pay even more than, say, um, you know, the Denver Broncos or uh, one of those other teams that are looking for a head coach. And he's talking to all of them, Arizona, Denver. Uh, I think Sean's probably number one on a lot of people's list. They want to make sure that they, they see where he's at. But, yeah, that, that one caught my eye. That one's like, hmm, okay. Like, you talk about what would change the Bucks' minds about Todd Bowles. I don't know. If Tom Brady, we knew he wanted to play with Sean Payton in Miami. Would this change anybody's mind? But I'm telling you that my latest information and best information is 
win or lose tonight, Todd Bowles is your coach for 2023. There could be changes on his staff. He didn't get a chance to add many, many people. I'm not as confident in the status of Byron Leftwich, although I'm told that, again, if, if especially if Brady plays, him and Brady are very close. Uh, a lot of people put, you know, the failures of the offense on left, which, which is fine. That's what, you know, that's what coaching is. Um, but they only average 18, less than 18 points a game. And I, I'm less confident about that. They try to hire, you know, uh, different guys, Billy O'Brien, uh, last year when they thought that left, which was going to Jacksonville and maybe Billy's in play again for here in new England. We don't know, but Todd Bowles, Todd Bowles, I think is pretty assured of coming back, um, win or lose. And again, and never say never because the Glazers sometimes are big game hunters and sometimes somebody comes available they didn't anticipate. But um, I think they're pretty happy with the job he's done. Look, he won a division title. They've never fired a coach after one year. It's just never happened, much less a guy that won a title. You, you'd write down the goals for your head, new head coach. Hey, hey, Todd, it'd be great if we could have a winning season. Sure. Hey, it'd be even better if we can win the division. Check. Right? And now you go to the playoffs. What if you win a game or two? or three, or go to the Super Bowl. I, I think it's interesting that everybody's sort of writing off Todd Bowles, what a horrible year it was, couldn't stand watching the way they played, and you don't even know how the, the season really ends, right? We won't, No one's played a playoff game in Tampa Bay this year, so you don't even know uh, if they go on a run and get to the championship game of the Super Bowl or win one, You know, how, what are you going to say about them then? So uh, as far as the Glazers go, I think they're pretty happy with them. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. So then the Sunday games, look, I didn't think Miami had a even a puncher's chance against Buffalo. And here they were down 17 to nothing, and I was like ready to turn it off. Like, I was like, okay, this game's over. This is pretty much what you expected. No Tua, Tunga Valoa, they're the third quarterback, all of that. And then it started turning. <laughs> I mean, the Miami Dolphins got within a fourth in inches and there was some, I guess, confusion about whether somebody had signaled a first down or not, needing just a field goal to tie, um, a touchdown to win, and they got a delay. They took a delay a game and didn't pick it up on fourth down. The game ends. Buffalo survives, and I mean survives, 34-31. There's no way I thought the Dolphins could have been in this game, and yet they were right there at the end. And Buffalo was up 17 nothing. Yeah. I mean, this, they were, yeah, and they hadn't played well to get to seventeen to nothing, but still, it's it's seventeen. Well, nothing. I thought on that first drive, uh, Skylar Thompson hit Jalen Waddle deep, and he dropped it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I was like, that's like Mike Evans against Carolina. I thought this game's that over. was. Yep. I mean, yep. you just I kind of had that feeling like you drop that pass, man. This game's. I mean, Buffalo's going to run away with it, and then they sure. jumped out to seventeen nothing. And Miami, that Miami defense was played incredible. They were great. Yeah. Josh Allen had a couple interceptions. Mm-hmm. No, they got him back in it. And those division yeah. rivals, man. I mean, they know you. 
That's the problem. There's there's no fear. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you can play a team. The Cowboys can play Washington. The Cowboys can play the Eagles. The Cowboys can play everybody. No one's afraid of Dallas, right? And you play Dallas from another division, like, ooh, it's the Cowboys, America's team. All this talent and everything. It's the same thing in the NFC uh, South. You know, those teams can beat the, you know, what out of everybody outside the division. When they play each other, anybody wins. I mean, it could be Atlanta beating New Orleans. It could be New Orleans beating Carolina. You know, they just knock each other off for the most part. Um, even the Bucks had a chance to go five and one. Of course, they didn't play everybody the last game, and they went four and two in the division, which is still one of the better records um, that you can have. But you're right. Um, when you get those those division teams together, Ravens Bengals, right? I mean yeah. that that game didn't look like it was going to be close without Lamar Jackson. No, and, and the Ravens were right in there. I mean, what six tenths of a yard away from taking the lead. <sighs> Talk about a 14 point I've swing. Seen. That's a 14 yeah. point swing there. So to describe the play and tell people what happened in case you missed this. So it's 17-17. The Ravens it's uh, that was fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Ravens have a I think it's second and goal, maybe it's third and goal at the 1 yard line. 1 yard line, right? Yeah. They line up everybody in a tight extra lineman, couple running backs behind, couple guys going to push the pile. Hundley takes the snap. Gets to the pile. The Bengals have a pretty good push. He jumps up, extends the ball out right. to cross the goal line, and Pratt and Wilson knock it out. Yeah. Sam Hubbard picks it up at the two-yard line and goes 98 yards. 90. Never seen anything like it. Never seen a play. Somebody has to come up with a name for that because it's not like the Immaculate Reception or the Holy Roller. Somebody's got to come up with a name for that. 98 yards from a kid who's actually from Cincinnati, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's from Cincinnati, went and played football at Ohio State. Was drafted by Cincinnati in eighteen. Crazy, and yeah. that's your game. That's yep. the difference in your ball game. Yeah, I mean the, the Ravens were going to go up seven. Now they're down seven. Fourteen point swing yeah. on the goal line, and, and the chip in the ball from Next Gen Stats said he was six tenths of a yard from the end. Oh zone. god. Oh, and you made a good point. If you're going to have all that push behind you, you're going to go in a bunch formation mm-hmm. like that. Why are you trying to extend the ball? Well, that's what Chris Collinsworth was the one on the broadcast. He's like. You know, you had you had like Andrews and everybody else behind ready to push, right? Then push the pile. Don't jump up because you're exposing the ball at that point. Exactly. You know, if you if you were going to jump over the pile, spread everybody out so you have less less Fewer bodies. Guys in, in the box, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that made no sense. But the Bengals hang on, and that's really what this time of year is. Mm-hmm. It's just survive in advance. No one's going to look back and say, "Yeah, remember that? Remember the Bengals barely beat the Ravens, and they did on that crazy." Now, they may remember that play, but they'll remember that play for years because it's like it's going to be iconic now for a playoff. But but my point is, just you just got to win, baby. Like it uh-huh. and it doesn't. And Tom has said this. He's had teams where they were seventeen and zero, and they they got in the Super Bowl and they didn't play well. And they lost to the Giants, helmet catch, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, and then he's been on teams that were nine and seven that went deep. So you, it's just it's how you play that day. And there's a lot of pressure and expectations on the teams that are supposed to win. Right? The Bucks aren't supposed to win tonight. They're not. They're three point underdogs um, at home, which is you know saying something when you're at home to be an underdog of any kind. Um, and and so you know they're kind of playing with house money, and they're they're very dangerous that way. The other team that I think felt the pressure that was at home were the Vikings, and I don't for a thirteen win team, I don't think anybody believed in the Minnesota Vikings. 
or or Kirk Cousins because he's Kirk Cousins. And the New York Giants went in there and they win 31-24. This Giants team, Danny Dimes, Daniel Jones cemented his place in you know with the Giants. I mean, he's not he's going to be their quarterback at least for one more year and probably then some. What a game he had. 300 yards passing, I think over 70 rushing. Did not turn the ball over once. I mean, that was the mm-hmm. key, right, against Minnesota. They had no turnovers. And they were the more physical team. Uh, you know, Saquon Barkley ran really well. It, it was it was impressive what they did. But Nothing says it, the Minnesota Vikings playoffs or in general. Uh, right? Kirk Cousins on fourth and eight throwing for three yards. That was the whole – I'm telling you, that play will live in infamy. You ever talk to me about Kirk Cousins and why he isn't regarded more? That play right there. That's why. That's why. You need a first down on fourth down, and you jump it off three yards. And to a guy that was covered. Eight. I mean, it's not like he was wide open. and you No, that guy was on top of him. He dropped yeah. him, and then they're five yards short of a first down. Like, this is your maybe your last – what was turned yeah. out to be his last play of the game. Yeah, they had no timeouts, and it was like a minute 44 left, yeah. I think. When That ball has to go past the sticks. Has mm-hmm. to. Mm-hmm. Has to. You know? Unless the guy's uncovered. And even then, you got to hope that somebody doesn't tackle him before he gets there. Yep. Terrible decision, terrible execution, and the Vikings get what they deserve. And they were the weakest 13-win team I've ever seen. Um, and I'm not surprised that they lost. But because they did, the Giants now go to Philadelphia to play the Eagles. And I give them a really good chance to win that game because, like we've been talking about, division rivals, they're not going to be intimidated. You don't know how Jalen Hurts' shoulder is really. He's mm-hmm. got another week of rest. Maybe that helps him. Um, Philly's home is going to be a crazy atmosphere. Giants are used to playing there. And uh, can you imagine the headlines in New York today? It just must be incredible uh, for the Giants to be you know, back in this position after all those years with, with this team and Brian Dable in his first season. That guy's going to get some Coach of the Year votes as well. Their first playoff win since, I think, 12. So 10. Yeah, so long ago, man. So long ago since they've been relevant. And the NFL loves to be relevant in New York. Trust me. That's why that you know office is on Park Avenue there, especially the Giants. So yeah, we've got our we've got our teams all but one decided in wild card super wild card weekend, and that's tonight's game against the Bucks and the Cowboys. And as Gene Deckerhoff would say, I can't wait till Toll meets leather, and uh, it'll be at eight fifteen tonight. So you've got the ESPN crew, uh, Troy Aikman, Joe Buck, uh, the, the Countdown Show. Before that, mm-hmm. Stephen A, who we got to talk to <laughs> the other day. I digress. Um, you were funny, man. You go, well, when were we talking to him at the end of the day. And yeah, we talked to him. Uh, he was on his car. We could have played that, but the the, the sound wasn't very good. Um, he has a show this morning. As a matter of fact, they're doing first take live from the convention center. If you have a chance to get down there, if you listen to this early enough, two shows, two segments, uh, two live shows down there this morning. And he was funny, man. It's like, so how do how do uh, how do you get along? Like, there's gonna be cowboy fans, and you know, you're kind of a well, you are sort of an antagonist with the Cowboys. Like, they're going to boo me. They're absolutely going to boo me. <laughs> and I love it. And children and moms, they run from me. <laughs> it's so funny, man. He's hilarious. But him and Jerry are good. Yep. He said he met about six years ago. He ran into him and uh, and, and he went up to Jerry. And uh, uh, he was kind of worried about like what Jerry's reaction would be. And all Jerry says, all I know is my buddy. All I know is you're talking about the Cowboys, and I love it. 
just keep talking about them as cowboys. And so, you know, Jerry gets it. Jerry's, Jerry's a marketing guy, you know, mm-hmm. good or bad, you know, just talk about America, America's team and, and he's good. So, yeah, um, thought that was interesting. But, yeah, it was uh, – it, it should be a good show. It's a, it's a mm-hmm. big day. It's a big day in Tampa Bay, man. The, the nation spotlights here after all those games of the weekend. They were so great. Wild card weekend, I think, is the is the best of the NFL playoffs to me. Uh, you have so many games condensed in two days, and it's do, do or die, and you feel the urgency and all of that. And um, so this is it. This is the final one of the weekend, and it's your Tampa Bay Buccaneers against Dallas. And it's going to be, it's going to be a spectacle. I think it's going to be a great game. I think it's going to be a close game. I don't think the Bucks blow anybody out. If they win, I think Tom Brady is going to have the ball in his hands last, uh, and is going to have to do Tom Brady things. And uh, and then it would be on to San Francisco. And listen, um, they they get house money out there too. When you lose thirty five to seven, it'd be interesting. And I don't, you know, my my guess is, and it's just a guess that Tom will play beyond this season. And the chance that he doesn't, and they win tonight, and they go to San Francisco, wouldn't it be interesting if his final game of his career is in his hometown? I know he's going to be thrilled from this standpoint that his parents don't have to travel. They're here to, tonight for tonight's game. They got in on Friday, um, and so he'll have his crew you know, in the box. But next week, they don't have to go anywhere. They're right there, you know, right by San Mateo, and um, you know, south of the city there, and, and they'll be able to see – you know, for all the all the things we talked about when he went out there earlier this year, it was a homecoming. It was only the second time he's played out there, uh, and now it's two times in one season. And I just remember, you know, we're getting ahead of ourselves because they haven't beaten Dallas, but I just remember him signing those footballs for those guys that intercepted him, <laughs> and he was all nice, you know, and like, oh, Mr. Brady, I'm so, you know, I'm so honored. Would you please sign this football? And he took some time <laughs> on the field. I'm telling you, he was buttering those guys up, knowing in in his heart of hearts, I'm going to see you guys again, and I'm going to absolutely stick it to you. <laughs> I just, I just know he was thinking that. Like these, the guy's an assassin when it comes to stuff like that. Man, he's just thinking to himself, "Oh, sure, yeah, oh, absolutely, I'll sign it for you." And then, boom, wait till I come back, sign this. Um, but we're way ahead, uh, way way long away from that uh, happening until the Bucks able to take care of Dallas. We'll see. Should be a great game. We'll be here to talk about it tomorrow, of course, mm-hmm. on uh, Sports Day Tampa Bay. Don't forget Thanks the Lightning for... play today at uh, oh, 4 right. o'clock in Seattle. Steve Stamco still going for number 500. So you can watch the Lightning and then go see the Bucks. Exactly. That's fantastic. Yeah. Lightning, by the way, they're hot. They're hot, man. Nine in a row at home. So don't they look now, day in St. Louis. but if you look at points percentage... Right, which is the number of points you have compared to how many you could have had if you won every game. That's correct. They're fourth in the NHL. <laughs> yeah, they're just kind of hitting their stride. And, oh, by the way, Braden Point could have a 50-goal season. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, when you really look back on it now and you say to yourself, how much better would they have been in the Stanley Cup Finals against Colorado if Braden Point was there? Uh, it's not even close. I think they win the series. I think he... You know, and you've said this a million times. That what was it they struggled with? It was trying to get some zone time, get it across the blue mm-hmm. line. Yep. Who does that better than Braden Point? He's the fastest guy on the team, and he's that. that's who they rely on for that. And had he played last year in that final, it would have been interesting. He's becoming a star in this league, is he not? Oh, uh, not well, yet? I don't know to fans around the league. To okay. hockey people, absolutely they know him. Yeah. 
Because here you always, you know, the fans mm-hmm. around the league here, Stamkos, Kucherov, Hedman, you know. Vasilevsky. Uh, I mean, you Bassi, know, points at yeah. least fit down the list of the, right. you know, if, if average fan around the league is going to talk about the Lightning. But in terms of impact, I mean, Kuch mm-hmm. obviously is an all-star and, you know, um, was voted that. But, but in, 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 and we know what Vassy and, and Stammer are, but in terms of, like, what he means to them right now, mm-hmm. right, he's, he's got the hottest stick. He pushes the action, right? He came out and had two too early goals the other night. I mean, he's 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 the engine right now. He he really is. And it, it really everything kind of turned around when Sorelli got back. It did. You're right. And it gives them now three centers down the middle. Yep. Sorelli, Point, and, and Paul. And mm-hmm. obviously you can play Stamkos at center and others too. Yep. Um it's been really interesting seeing Cooper's been switching lines in the middle of games. Where yeah, Hagel he and Hagel and Stamkos are switching back and forth periodically throughout games right not just you know for you know sometimes it's just for a couple shifts and other times it's for a good chunk of the game and it's been really interesting to see uh he's kind of put that shutdown line back together Sorelli Kalorn and Hagel from the playoffs Mm -hmm. against certain lines depending on what the other team is doing um and And who's the line with Maroon now those guys are humming pretty good yeah you got Maroon and Paul and and yeah I mean he's kind of shaking that fourth line isn't you know, it, it seemed like last year it was always, you know, Perry, Maroon, and Belmar. Well, those are all been broken up, yeah. um, and it's, it's really helped things. And Rudy Balzers now is on a conditioning stint, so he'll be back soon as well. So uh, it'll be interesting what they do once he's he's available. And he's a uh, you know, he can put the puck in the net and, and add some, you know, we talked about last week on a mailbag question, you know, they need more scoring from the bottom six. Yeah. And, yeah. and Rudy Balzers is a guy that can do that and has shown that in this league for Florida and other teams as well. So, um, you know, he's on a conditioning stint now. I think he can be there for up to two weeks, I think. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how long that is and, and when he comes back. But And then they'll have to probably make a roster move at that point because salary cap-wise, I don't think they can add another player. Well, Steven Stamkos, one goal still from 500. He came very close. He hit the post uh, the other night. Uh, it looks like it's going to happen on the road with this road trip, which is unfortunate. It would have been nice at home, but they'll – They'll celebrate plenty with him when he gets back, but yeah, just still one goal away, man. Um, they've been playing great. It's they're fun to watch. They've been playing great, and I think they're just now sort of starting to hit their stride. So we'll have all that to talk to you about uh, tomorrow. Enjoy the hockey. Enjoy your football. Thanks for listening for Steve Versnick. I'm Rick Stroud of Ten Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.